if it ever does sell, who's going to buy a house that people were killed in? A tree-lined neighborhood street filled with middle-class homes, now a full-blown crime scene, just like something out of the movies. The once-blocked front door at 2749 Knob Hill Drive in Clemens, which hid the murders, possible animal sacrifices, and satanic secrets, now flung open wide for everyone to see. How did we not know? That's what people, you know, how did the neighbors not smell anything? Living not even 100 feet away, neighbors had no idea the extent of what was inside the house and how all this time Pazuzu's mother was living among feces, trash, and several animals. Kind of let them do their thing. Just how did she survive living with two murderers with them knowing she was the only person to witness the killings? I mean, I didn't really come out of the room much. I'm Fox 8's Michael Hennessy, and this is Seduced by Satan. In the days following the discovery of Tommy Dean Welch and Joshua Wetzler's bodies buried in the backyard of Pazuzu Algarod's home on Knob Hill Drive in Clemens, North Carolina, after Pazuzu and Amber Birch were charged with their murders, investigators still had a lot of work to do. With the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office at the helm, it became apparent the home was in such bad shape, it was going to be tough making sure they didn't miss anything crucial to the investigation. It was, it was big, big news. There was, I mean, people were gathered there for days upon days uh, trying to see what was going on. And it encompassed not only the sheriff's office, but other entities, uh, law enforcement um, and prosecutorial uh, entities that came in to help us. The State Bureau of Investigation, obviously the district attorney's office. We were still there along with several other news crews along the side of Knob Hill as teams of law enforcement dressed in hazmat suits complete with masks kept making their way in and out of the home. You could catch a glimpse of them taking frequent water breaks in the driveway. It's still warm in North Carolina in the early fall and law enforcement was spending hours in hot hazmat gear. We could see them rotating between walking through the house and the backyard. The scene work within a day or two is normally complete. This went on for a matter of weeks uh, of working the scene. Forsyth County Housing and Community Development was brought in too. This wasn't just a crime scene. They had a job to do as well. They need to determine if the home should be condemned and demolished. With a GoPro at the ready, a housing employee accompanied by a deputy made his way up the front steps to do a full surveillance inside the house. Nothing could prepare the employee for what he would see next. We obtained the video of the house tour shortly after it was done. The comments you hear are from the deputy and the housing employee. In the meantime, I'll paint a picture of what they saw. All right, let's do it. On the front door, you see the skull with the bulging eyes, the letter to law enforcement denying access and an upside down cross. A closer look at the door shows in red letters the words don't confuse freak for free. There's also a sticker, are you threatening me? And what looks like Arabic. We recruited Wake Forest University professor, Dr. Ahmad Sharafeldin, an expert in Arabic, to help us decipher what those words meant. What I can understand is it's bait. This is the home of the Satan. As the door swings open, you're welcomed by a swastika and a demon with mushrooms around him, spray painted in purple on the ceiling. Across the room, a couch and what looks like Arabic, also in purple on the wall, and something even stranger, covering almost every square inch of wall space, 
Small cutouts. It looks like magazine clippings, maybe? It's hard to make out in the video, but if you pause or zoom in, that's a best guess. The camera quickly pans to the left and reveals a 666 in a triangle in black on a door. More Arabic scribblings, more cutouts with images depicting women in pornographic poses, and an inverted pentagram. Okay. The two men approach the next doorway, the wall to the left also completely covered. A cutout of a doll's eyes staring square into the camera. The next room's covered in paneling, the kind you'd see in grandma's basement back in the late 70s or early 80s. You can make out another reverse pentagram on the left wall, all the walls also covered in cutouts with a fireplace in the center of the room. A dream catcher hangs from the ceiling as does a fan with no blades, just four what look like green or blue light bulbs. Halloween lanterns hang here too. You can't help but notice the ceiling. It's just falling apart. It's just one of the first things that stood out to people living within earshot when they saw the inside of the home for the first time. That's so nasty. Oh my God. Look at the ceiling. On the floor are buckets and a small cage. There's some trash piled along the left wall. As the camera pans down a hallway, all you see is trash, lots of trash. The two men move into another room, revealing more cutouts, mini posters, one an albino tiger, another a hooded figure dressed in red. A larger poster, a clown with rainbow hair wearing a frown with a single index finger on his chin. And in the corner, an aquarium tank with a red light above, the kind used to keep snakes or lizards warm. Well, this one will fail real quick. The housing inspectors truly seem all he needs to, but they carry on. Yeah, it's definitely unfit for human habitat. They go into the kitchen. Fly tape hangs from the ceiling. It's covered, absolutely covered in flies. The same bug-eyed skeleton figure from the front door is on a cabinet. The kitchen itself doesn't look terrible, no worse than that of a frat house after a Saturday football game after party. But when we look under the sink, no drainage. The plumbing from it leads straight into a bucket with a garbage can by its side. The clock on the stove is working, it reads 426, but the front panel of the stove's been removed. Another room is filled with more animal cages, cat litter on the shelves, and a display case filled row by row with empty beer bottles. The two exit back through the kitchen toward the hallway. Oh, let's get those, uh, let's get those rooms back there. Look at that. As they pass back by the fireplace, a better look at that first animal cage. It looks like it's filled with dirt, maybe a mini dog bed covered in soot. You can't tell, but it's not good. Jesus Christ. A turn to the left reveals another tank. Is that thing dead? No, it's alive. A lizard basking under the light, resting on a half log. You can tell with the gear these men are wearing and the temperature rising, both need a break, so they pause to take a breath and get ready to turn the next corner. Watch your step, there's a lot of broken glass. Okay. Boxes litter the floor. Glass bottles, aluminum cans, a poster of a demon watches as you pass by. I actually hadn't hit the worst part yet. Mm. They look into the room to the left. The door looks like it had been stuck in the mud, left there for days, then removed and placed into the doorway. It's not on the hinges. The room has a box spring with the lining torn off against the wall. This floor's covered too. Blankets, buckets, plastic bags, almost up to the window, which looks like it had been painted red. 
A laundry bin empty on its side. What looks like a pitchfork sticking straight up to the ceiling. The, the letters are Arabic letters. More Arabic, even though Sharaf Feldin says most of it is gibberish. But it doesn't give any meaning in Arabic. Um, probably I would say he's writing some codes for magic or something like that. But there is one word that keeps popping up. Yeah, so this is the word Iblis, which means Satan in English. Clearly this is Iblis again, which means Satan. A couple more steps over the cans and pieces of paper. The drywall's been removed from part of the wall ahead. Another stop to another room on the left. Orange tape hangs from the ceiling lining the doorway, reading enter at your own risk. The room looks like a landfill. Trash piled feet to the windows, plastic, paper bags, boxes. A light glow emanates off them from the window to the right, but there's so much trash it's nearly impossible to make out what it consists of. The walls and ceiling are so discolored it looked like there had been a fire. Don't believe uh, any of my hoarding cases will match with this one. This is the cleanest room in the house. Huh? This is the cleanest room in the house. A step into Cynthia James's room, Zuzu's mother. It's all the way in the back of the hall to the right. Gift bags and boxes are stacked on her bed. Newspapers, another laundry bin, a tan comforter with pinstriped sheets. They check the bathroom and walk back out. You get that room down there? That one, yeah, I got it good. Back into the first bathroom, with walls painted red, the written warning on the door saying, Every word you read of this useless fine print is another second off your life. Don't you have other things to do? Is your life so empty that you honestly can't think of a better way to spend these moments? Or are you so impressed with authority that you give respect and credence to all who claim it? Do you read everything you're supposed to read? Do you think everything you're supposed to think? Buy what you're told you should want? It closes by saying, quit your job, start a fight, prove you're alive. If you don't claim your humanity, you will become a statistic. Boy, this guy had a, a bad case of whatever he, they got. They make their way to the basement. A deputy warns the fourth step from the bottom is loose. Slowly stepping, red spray paint on the wall starts to appear. More gibberish, but Sheriff Eldin says in Arabic, a couple dots here or there can completely change a word's meaning. But if those two dots were there, that word would mean... It means hanging up. Hanging up, like like a hanging? Right, like, like hanging, lynching. Right, like lynching, right. What looks like insulation covers the floor to the right. A wider turn reveals dozens of plastic and metal bottles, probably more. Black trash bags filled to the brim, tied. <coughs> There's another fireplace in the basement. This one is brick. More mixed language graffiti in black covers it. There's a washer and dryer, both white to the left, the trash cleared around it and leading to the door as the light from the backyard grows brighter. <coughs> but first, a look into the trash can beside the washer, which is filled at least a third of the way. Dog crap, man. Okay, uh, I actually need to do outside. They make their way out of the house and into the backyard. And some air. Immediately to the right, there's a hole. The earth had clearly been recently moved and bricks lay alongside it. This is, this is actually where one was buried. 
The hole where Josh Wetzler's body laid for five years was a mere three or four feet from the back of the home. God almighty. Out in the backyard, an empty pool, you can see mounds and some on tarps where detectives picked through the dirt. So there's one was buried there, one was here, one was up there. Another upside down pentagram on the side of the pool, the diving board covered in ivy, far removed from whatever fun may have been had on it years before. A glance around shows a shed, what looks like an out of commission lawnmower, piles of black tarp, a purple chimney. One was up there? Yep, one was. Uh, it's right in front of that picnic table. Not the big hole. Yeah, not dialed not the heel up there, down here. Oh, right here? Where those bricks are. Yeah, where you see the little bricks. Oh, I got you, I got you. Footsteps lead to where a separate fire pit had been built to cover Tommy Dean Welch's body. Another reverse pentagram on the chimney of the home, only visible from the backyard. And just to the right of the back porch, hundreds of beer cans thrown into a chicken-wired, fenced-in area. Arresting tabby cats becoming restless shows how on edge this scene has even hardened investigators. Damn, that cat jumped on my skin. An SBI agent jokes not to feel bad. The cats got him earlier, too. Is that stench just coming from the house? That smell? I'm going to get the side and around in the front. I'll be right back. We finally get to see the man behind the camera as the city inspector takes off the GoPro. You can see a middle-aged man with graying hair, glasses, and orange cap, a mask covering his face. I guess I got all I need. The entire video lasts about nine minutes and 30 seconds. Cynthia James lived it for years. On a July morning in 2009, she was home. Josh Wetzler was there too. Pazuzu wasn't. And I heard him come in that morning and uh, I thought, oh good, he's home. She was still in her room, the one all the way in back on the right down that garbage lined hallway. And um, I heard this pop, 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 pop. And um, I come out of my room and I said, what's going on? And I didn't even know he had a gun. And it was like a rifle like. And he's standing there, and Josh is laying on the floor, and I'm like, my God, I mean, I don't remember what, I mean, I'm going crazy. And he just stood there. I'd never seen him look like this before. He was just, like, dazed and confused. A perplexed look on Cynthia's aging face as she tells the story more than ten years later, as though Pazuzu's face is staring back inches away from her nose. I said, Let, let's go sit down. So we went in the den, and he's just, like, bewildered. With Josh bleeding onto their floor, she left Pazuzu in the den and ventured back down the hall. I went back to my bedroom. I thought, what am I going to do? Okay, okay. Well, gosh, in the state he's in, he might shoot me. I don't think he would. He's, he's had plenty of opportunities to kill me if he wanted to. She considered her options and decided to go. So then I came out, I said, I'm going to go to work. You just sit here and, and, and go to sleep because I was going to go and call the police or so I didn't know what to do. I just had to get out of the house. She spent the day at work before returning back to the Knob Hill home. He had called a couple of his friends and they came over and 
moved Josh from the living room, which wasn't but a few feet, to the um, basement door, and he was in the basement. She never called deputies to report what she saw, at least not then. I just kind of let them <laughs> do their thing. I mean, I didn't really come out of the room much. Months later, in October, Cynthia was home again. Pazuzu, Amber Birch, and Tommy Dean Welch were all partying down the hall. I was in my room, and I heard a couple of shots. Opening the door to investigate, she peeked to the left around the corner, eventually telling deputies she saw Amber holding a rifle. Amber came to the entry of the hall there. Tommy was slumped over on the couch. And she says, go back to your room. Oh, I Okay, I, I guess I was scared of her. Once again, Cynthia chose to do nothing. But I, you know, I like, to, I love her and I forgive her. That is until years later when something happened to her. So I think she's a real conflicted, I think she's a real troubled woman and I think she loved her son. Pazuzu wasn't always named Pazuzu. We had so much fun, I mean, he always made me laugh. Born in California, he'd spend most of his life under a different name, his transformation from John Alexander Lawson to Pazuzu Algarod, coming up in episode three of Seduced by Satan. If you want to see inside Pazuzu's home, check out our website, myfox8.com. If you like the podcast, please rate it, comment on it, subscribe to it. Seduced by Satan was written and reported on by me, Michael Hennessy, edited by Matt Jensen, Joe Doherty helped with some of the interviews. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels.